I'm Dietrich Hunter, and this is Curate Curiosity. This episode is brought to you by The Weekend Cookbook. If we've got to stay in, let's go all out. The food and cocktail recipes you need, no matter the weekend plans. From date night to brunch, from pregame to midnight snacks, to self-care Sundays. The ebook can be purchased at theweekendcookbook.com. That's the W-E-E-K-N-D cookbook.com. Enictu oculi, finis gloriae mundi. That's Latin for, in the blink of an eye, the glory of the world is gone. Or in Spanish, la vida es fugaz, como la belleza. Life is fleeting, just like beauty. This quote isn't just a nihilist commentary on life, or an inspiration to cherish loved ones or examine our priorities. It's maybe all of that and more. It's art. Literally. In the chapel of El Hospital de Caridad in Sevilla, España, the twin paintings tell various shades of one man's story and capture truths to be digested for generations to come. The first and the last time I saw these two paintings, I sat staring, eclipsed by their beauty and message, as the legend of Miguel de Mañara played on repeat in my mind. I saw myself in that painting. I saw a collective history and a clear caution there too. Even though this was nearly 10 years ago, the echo to live authentic still resonates, and 2020 has made me remember that control is an illusion and patience is paid by managing expectations. Today's episode is with a local brilliant mind, Stacy Patrice. I first encountered her work with the Rebuild Foundation during one of her Sunday satsangs. As I tuned in to the Instagram Live, I experienced the same eclipse. As I sat still, her words addressed the distance between who I was, how I saw myself, and who I wanted to believe I could be. This internal struggle sharpened my audacity to dream what might be possible, even at a time when life was so visibly short for so many, and increasingly unpredictable for us all. To me, these conversations were art. Art is not what you see, but what you make others see. Edgar Degas Art is the highest form of hope. Gerhard Richter The Rebuild Foundation focuses on the intersection of art and community. The interplay facilitated by founder and executive director Theaster Gates Jr. provides a backdrop that challenges conventional rhythms of community and connects people through activation, cultivation, and validation of art in Chicago. Here's my conversation with Stacy Patrice about her work with the Rebuild Foundation. Hello, hello. I'm here, Dietrich Hunter, with Curate Curiosity. I'm here today um, with an episode where we'll be diving into um, the work of Stacy Patrice. Stacy Patrice, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Dietrich. I appreciate being here, and I'm so excited to talk to you because curiosity is one of my favorite subjects. So let's do it. Awesome. So <laughs> glad to have you here. Uh, what has your attention right now, Stacy? Who I think. 
the things that have my attention right now is just what can be done with the remainder of this space that we are currently in. I think about what I would normally be doing at this time of year and you know it's lots of forward projections about what I feel, where I feel I'm going, how I can see myself, what are the things I need to bring in that are new and I just feel right now like I'm still finishing up a lot of what's going on for 2020 and finishing up what has been occurring within me this year is is where my attention is fully folded. I have been uh, doing a lot of internal work as usual, but the external is now reflecting the internal, which is really beautiful. It's like that inner landscape that I usually jump and play and dive in on a regular basis. I'm seeing the rest of the world also jumping, diving, and playing in some of those practices as well, having ideas and thoughts that have been cycling through my body, through my mind for years now. And so now it's about taking that internal landscape and engaging with people around it in a new way because there are more people engaging with it. And so that fully has my attention right now. And then just continuing to create, create programs and continuing to create opportunities for people to experience what their inner landscape is like is where a lot of my attention is focused right now. So. That's yeah. beautiful, Stacy. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I don't know if I've said this in a previous episode, but when you share that idea of a uh, internal landscape, right? For me, that really hit um, home because I think for me, a lot of times when people are talking and I'm listening, or even when I'm trying to explain something that's, you know, deep, complex, or just simply authentic, I am a person who usually will have images more than I'll have exact words. So when you say internal landscape, I'm actually picturing that. And I don't know why when you said that, but when you said that, and especially as you ended talking about seeing that manifest in relationships and in connections, I just had the idea of like you having like, you know, a recipe that you've been working on, you know, and a recipe that's being being developed and maybe tweaked or perfected for the specific season that you find yourself in. And now the joy of not only enjoying that recipe, but being able to compare recipes with people around you who are now being that authentic and open with you. And I don't, again, I don't know why I get that mental picture, but that's the idea that I feel that idea of like collaboration of connection of kind of community um, around the things that have you pretty curious, which is again, I think why, why I'm here as well. So. Yeah, that's pretty accurate actually. And it's, it's, it's a profound sharing. I feel like that's what's happening right now. And it, it's easy to see what's happening right now as some deviation from the way we normally are. But I see it under a different lens. I see it as a diving into who we actually are instead of resorting to who we've been that may or may not have worked for us holistically. And a lot of times we are sharing our information we're we're trading recipes we are we are telling people how we got through we're telling people what is it that sparked our interest what is it that sparked our curiosity what is it that pulled us out of one space and into another and so now it's being normalized it's not just this concept of what i do and what i did when i was going through something that wasn't good for me but it's about what i do to continue to maintain what is good for me and i think that's critically important to highlight because a lot of people, this may be new territory. And then there are a lot of people around you, it's not new territory. And so that sharing and trading becomes really profound where we start to exchange the fruits and the gifts that we need to continue to thrive. That's really beautiful. I think that really segues as well to our next question. 
about uh, the Enneagram, actually, which I think aligns 100% to that idea of, you know, getting right with who we are, um, not with who we want to be or what, what we want to project kind of thing, but being real honest on, on the internal side of things about who we actually are and why we are that way. Um, again, not to tweak, not to change, just to understand and to navigate the world, understanding um, where we're starting from, what we're starting with as tools, triggers, and, and, uh, and beyond. So as far as the Enneagram, um, which of those nine types do you feel most resonates with you? I love that question. Uh, number five, the investigator. It seems like the type and the season that I am currently in and the part or aspect of myself that is currently magnified. So it is my base personality. And, you know, I can definitely see different and multitude of aspects of myself throughout the nine types. But that one in particular really speaks to how I'm moving in the world, not only in my work, and not only as a mother, not only as an artist, but just, I have to investigate things. <laughs> That's gotten me into some trouble in the past as far as dating. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, when you have an outlet and you use it rightfully and consciously, it becomes a really wonderful exploration. And so I'm always looking for the connection between the things I see in my head, the things I feel in my heart, the things I, I am drawn to naturally without any thought, without any forethought. And then also where people are, where people that I am engaging, engaging with in my space are, where the people who are most in my circle in their lives currently, and how does that fit or snap or interlock into where I am. So it's just constantly investigating that, constantly finding where our interconnections are, what more can I bring to something to, to really understand it, to be inside of it, and then also what are the aspects of myself that need to be drawn out, and who are the people who kind of draw more of me out mm -hmm. so that I can explore and investigate something that I would not have necessarily done by myself. So it's, it's a two-way street a bit, but I see so much of that in my life right now. And even in this, you know, solitude and kind of reclusive state that we believe we are in, there's so much investigation happening. There's so much of us, you know, finding out what we don't like about ourselves, what we haven't been taking care of with ourselves. Are we really in the career we want to be in? Are we really with the people that we adore and love and mean the most to us? Are we really close with our families and with our children? Do we really believe in the rights of education? Do we really believe in the rights of healthcare and the rights as citizens? Do we really, how much do we really believe in these things? And so investigation is what I think is really like the, the overall umbrella theme of what's going on right now. And it definitely snaps into where I am right now. Absolutely. That's awesome. Again, thank you so much for going deep on that question. I think that um, just so you don't feel like you know, exposed or just out there. I'm, I'm more like seven, eight, uh, this idea of, okay. uh, authenticity and experience kind of categorize how I see or characterize how I see the world. Um, also the eight aspect. Some of my friends would be like, no, you're an eight, seven because of my ability to challenge and to push for authenticity. Uh, and even with authenticity, I think sometimes I'm looking for consistency. Um, I was even listening to, um, you know, the breakfast club this week. And he was like, uh, Charlemagne was like this idea around what he he's expecting to get from people, what he's given, you know what I mean? And that is 
that is not always going to be that way. So um, being being honest about that part of yourself can even be helpful in managing those expectations, whether it be from friends to family to spouses um, or to students, you know what I mean? So I think it's super essential to um, help, like you said, identify those things, those places where where is our starting line? Um, and then also where are the places that we maybe need to take a little more extra care um, to to really you know cultivate um, deeper thought and deeper um, you know, understanding of ourselves because just you know either reacting or lashing out on people or or just going inward at times where you you could have identified something that that could have been a game changer for you is is an option right so see that third way uh, by identifying yourself. Absolutely. And I love Charlemagne and I love The Breakfast Club. <laughs> but I also love that this particular topic you just brought up has been swarming around my conversations the past week. I did not hear Charlemagne say it, but I know this particular conversation has been coming up. And I've, even with some of my clients who I coach, I'll just tell them, you know, this is really important for you to understand that where you come from and who you are and how you love and share with other people has absolutely nothing to do with what they, where they are, what they can give, what they're ready to give, what they have the capacity to give. And I believe I just touched on it in the satsang on Sunday, um, just speaking about how where we are growing from we might feel really ready and really uh, excited, enthusiastic about sharing and loving people in a particular way. And then we might really discover that the other person is just sitting there with a straw, like <laughs> ready to just, just take it in and digest it. They're not looking to give it back. They're not necessarily in a, in a space to give it back because they know what their need is and you are supplying it. And so it's not necessarily that they can reciprocate it. It's more that they need it. And so when you give it, you really have to make sure you're giving from a free space, because if you're looking for reciprocity from random pe people, then that puts you in another trick bag where you find yourself expecting other people to be like you, expecting other people to be where you are, when you are, and really expecting other people to have the same kind of expression, exploration, and understanding of the concepts that you hold so near dear to yourself. And it's, it's a trick bag. Yeah, I think I love that strong, like kind of metaphor or uh, mental picture because I think the other half of that is true um, is like presenting a lot and them only taking a couple sips even you know what I mean because even when you like look at reciprocity sometimes you do want to give and even that giving feels like rejection when it's not fully opened up and accepted so I think that that is a whole word right there I mean I think that that is something that I need I need to remember because yeah that's where I operate from I operate from this idea that like experience can be relationship capital and like why wouldn't we want to experience this together right but that isn't where everyone is starting from and they don't have the same reasons behind needing those experiences so appreciate you going there again like that is a full word if you haven't <laughs> looked at the enneagram or you haven't sat in on a sad saying on a sunday uh, you should uh, fire up the instagram get on the live video uh, because it is more than worth it. It will change your perspective and hopefully transform some of the things that um, maybe have you stuck. So think about it. Um, anything else you wanted to say on that? Just the beauty that comes from that is that the magic is in the match. And that's something that a lot of times it's easy to forget. We're so busy trying to shape things and people and circumstances and environments to fit us, but the magic is in the match. 
you don't have to do anything but be the strongest signal for who you are and how you are. And the matches come based on that magnetism. It's not based on how much you invested in something, how much time, I put so much time in this, I want my return. A lot of times it's happening in a way that is conducive to you being authentic to who you are and allowing there to be enough space around you for other people who appreciate and who are in that authentic exchange to come and gather with you. And that is what we have to remember. The magic is in the match. So if there's no magic where you are, if you can't see how this is all coming together, then there's just not a match there. And that's it. It's just not a match. It doesn't mean that it's over. <laughs> just keep going being you and wait for the match to, to arrive. Wait for the matches to arrive. I'm going to just wait a second because <laughs> I just want all that to sink in because I know some people don't process on like the like, you know, kind of ping pong level, <laughs> right. uh, tennis level returns, but that is one you need to remember. The magic is in the match. Stacey Patricia. You're listening to a joint album by Families and The Singing Company. You can listen to more music from Families on Bandcamp or on Spotify. Also, check out The Singing Company's full catalog on Spotify or Apple Music today. So I think we could like start to maybe shift gears a little bit here, Yeah. but the way that I was introduced to you, um, and I have to admit my, my understanding, um, even of this organization is, is really limited to our interactions. I've done some background research and I've looked into pre COVID, um, being involved in that space, but I think the rebuild foundation is something special. Um, and from my perspective, it's special because of your partnership with them. Um, but what could you tell us about the Rebuild Foundation? How would you describe it to the listeners? Yeah, and, and please pardon me as I describe it from my heart, because the way I experience things is, is the way in which I context them. I try not to go into the textbook definitions because sometimes it just doesn't suffice. The Rebuild Foundation to me is an organization that is spearheaded on the love of artistry and creative expression and how those contributions connect to community. And I look at that, especially being important on the South side of Chicago, where I'm from, because for so many years, there have been these ideas, these, these uh, gatherings, you know, art galleries, museums, all of these artistically rich endeavors, but very rarely on the South side. You know, we definitely have you know, DuSable Museum, we definitely have a lot of organizations that, that work on the South Side and a lot of um, companies in the arts that work on the South Side and there's an endless list of those. But just thinking about it in terms of where do we put our stake in the ground? How do we put what we're about right where the people who are about it are? And I think Theaster has done a wonderfully um, creative job of that in the Rebuild Foundation. So the Rebuild Foundation is twofold, in my opinion. It's one, uh, having spaces, having real estate, creating wonderful, or as I like to consider, really dope spaces on the South Side for artists to fuel their work inside of. And so it being twofold, you know, you can have artists and lots of expressionists and they don't have a space, they don't have a studio, they don't have a, a home to house their art. They don't have a place where they can meet between, you know, not only their fans and appreciators of their art, um, but they also may have this uh, idea that 
who they are is not uh, supported. And so it's just like being out there by yourself. You don't necessarily have the team, the engine, or the you know, visibility to be able to do what it is you do. And then the, on the other end with the real estate, Fiesta being you know, a, a, an artist and an urban planner, it's really beautiful to be able to see how he creates art from structures, how he's able to um, put these dwellings right in the middle of a place that people have not invested in, to be able to say, I see value in this community and I'm gonna put a wonderful building here that's actually gonna be the magnet that's gonna draw people to it. And thus drawing people to the art and the contributions of the artists that rock with us. So that's how I see Rebuild Foundation. And I have always been attracted to the events that Rebuild has done. However, it was something I was looking at large scale, like people really misunderstand and they just think, there are paintings that are hanging on a wall and they're supposed to go and look at this art and be transformed. And that was not the messaging that I got, but I could understand from other people, you know, not understanding what does the arts foundation have to do with community or what does it have to do with the South side of Chicago and why here? It's odd, you know, to some people and then other people like myself is spot on. So Rebuild Foundation to me is just a beacon of light um, shown on artists that really have something to say and really have something value that they don't want to wait for anybody else to validate. You know, <laughs> it's, it's nice to be validated in the here and now and to be able to have a platform and a place where what you do can be expanded and more and more people can come into it because it's made accessible by Rebuild Foundation. So supporting the arts in the way that they do is just uh, priceless to me. And it has spearheaded something really wonderful in my own practice and my own work that I'm really proud and will always be a, a, a marker and a milestone in my career, so. They have multiple sites, it sounds like, that they have launched. What does their footprint kind of look like, if you wouldn't mind kind of describing a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, they're always working on new things. So if I <laughs> am not up to date, it is simply because it's happening fast and I'm unaware. Uh, the two major sites that I can really um, say that I've practiced in and that I've been to repeatedly are the Stony Island Arts Bank and also Dorchester Art and Housing Collaborative. And they're just a few blocks away right off of Stony, just uh, west of Stony. And Dorchester Art and Housing Collaborative is meant to be a community space where community activities can happen, whether that is the art that is happening from, you know, they have like art classes there, they have dance. I've been teaching yoga meditation there. Uh, there's just been a, a, a range of programs that happen in that space. And space is really beautiful, really fly. <laughs> it's like, you know, all glass windows just sitting right nestled in the middle of the community on um, 70th Street. And then you have the Stony Island Arts Bank, which is more facing Stony Island right there off of 68th and Stony Island. And that space is like a living museum. It's where artists can present works that are physical and performative, as well as a place where you can see, you know, artists from around the world, global artists works there, as well as exhibits that challenge you to think about the way you understand art and the way you understand its role in the people who are presenting their works. And Rebuild is just really about making sure that Black voices have a space and that they're not ushered out and pushed out and squeezed out uh, from not having proper funding, proper space, or proper presentation. So I think those are the two main spaces that have been really active over the last several years. There's also uh, Dorchester 
um, projects that's on Dorchester right off of uh, 69th. And so there are other places that have been activated over the years that have had things going on there that I've attended that have been really wonderful and a lot of times very intimate, but like just the kind of things you remember that you're like, man, I remember when this artist, Yao, was in this space at Dorchester and he did this remix of a score for a film by Ava DuVernay and then he actually like made a live soundtrack to it with a live band in the space and it was such a wonderful evening and we all came together to talk about it. Like just these really innovative things that happened years ago. You know, this was probably in 2014. You know, things that happened years ago before they really hit the like mainstream and people were looking into these artists that are so popular right now, but just that little private home space. And a lot of these events have just been, you know, doubling and tripling in size since then. So I really credit them for having an engine in the community to be able to make sure people know about these things that are happening and they give back. They give back plenty, plenty in terms of how they continue to nurture that community where these buildings are housed, which I really love to see. They have a garden right off Dorchester. There was a kind of like a bodega <laughs> that I, I would like to say is like a bodega that they created during COVID where you can go to this like corner store and pick up supplies and pick up items that you may need that you may not be able to afford that you may have run out of and just being able to supply those kind of things through their funders for community has just been beautiful. I am hearing three real big words, this idea of, you know, activate, cultivate and validate. I think that yes. that is, that is a huge impact. And I think that that footprint um, is one that uh, needs to be, you know, reproduced and, and given space to, to, you know, extend and grow. Yeah, it's, it's been different to not be in physical space with each other. I think we all really miss it um, because it was such a special feeling. I, I have to go back to the feeling. What was happening was always wonderful, but it's the feeling of all of us in one room together and enjoying the same experience differently. You know, and there are collections in the Arts Bank that are able to be partially viewed during some of the tours. The Johnson Collection is there, the Frankie Knuckles Collection is there for house music. And, you know, there's just a lot that has been put into making sure that these spaces really serve. And I think that's what they do really well, is making sure that these spaces are not just spaces for the aesthetic, but making sure that they really serve and allowing the artists to kind of power the programming in those spaces. So that what's being offered is really creative and unique and ever-changing. So you talked a little bit about uh, doing yoga, and I've obviously interacted with your satsangs, but what is your role and how did you get started with Rebuild? The short answer is I had a vision. And I got my yoga teacher training up north at Moksha Yoga Studio. And at that time, everything was just pushing north. You know, that's been the narrative for people on the south side for so many years. Like, if you want this, go north. <laughs> if you want to experience this, go north. And so I really felt responsible because here I am in a teacher training, well knowing that there wasn't really a lot on the south side. It was essentially a yoga desert. I think a new studio had just popped up, but it was still also like, where is that authentic experience that I'm understanding in my teacher training that I want to translate to my folks, but don't have the space, don't have the opportunity, don't really have the support or the evidence that this could really work. 
you know, it just wasn't there because at that time people were still saying black people don't do yoga. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, I was really thinking about um, how can I bring this forward and who are the partners that may really help me do so. And what I discovered is that I was asking a lot of businesses, like, you know, how can we begin to use some of these spaces that are empty during the day and be able to provide yoga. And I was just getting shut down left and right. So what I decided to do was just hold the vision for it. And I held that vision for about eight months or so. And it was one of the events that I was going to uh, for Rebuild Foundation. And as I was heading there that night, I parked my car and I was just sitting in my head, like thinking, envisioning, like, man, it'd be really great to have one of these spaces because the Astro is always building these amazing spaces. <laughs> and as I'm getting out of my car, the Astor's coming out of the building and asked to walk me across the street. Now I've seen the Astor on the scene for years. We've known each other, but we had not talked in so long. And it was just one of those, well, what are you up to? What, is, what are you creating? Because I've been a photographer, I've been a model, I've been a designer, I've done a lot of things creatively. He's like, what are you creating? I was like, right now it's yoga. It's the importance of being able to share the practice with people who I know really need it and could really benefit from it, whether it's because of their physical bodies or their mental state of being, but just being able to really share that practice. And he said, well, can you write down your ideas? Like, are they just up here? Can you write them down? I said, I can have them to you this evening. He was like, great. And that was it. <laughs> that was it. The idea was just me expressing that I wanted to really help nurture. And the word I used specifically was bring wellness to the hearts, the minds, and the souls of Southside Chicagoans with the healing practice of yoga and incorporating the entire system and not just the postures. And that I would need a space to commune with people regularly to do this. And it wasn't even a full vision at that time. It was just, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do it all, but I really want to be able to, to, to do this. And that's actually what ended up happening. And that was in 2015. And we've been going strong ever since. And I just said, I want to bring healing artistry to the rest of these arts. Let's make healing an art form we can start to understand, respect, and engage in. And that's what I've been doing through numerous disciplines, um, in the system that I call soul healing yoga. In, in the classes that I was teaching at Dorchester Art and Housing Collaborative, uh, on an average week, we had about somewhere between 25 to 40 people in that space, practicing yoga, breathing, meditating. We did Black Divinity Meditation Day at the Stony Island Arts Bank. We did um, uh, moon circles to help people understand how to connect with the cycles of nature. We also did uh, workshops around eating, how to prepare your plate, how to be able to utilize plants and you know, vegan foods to be able to really charge up your temple. We also spoke quite heavily about our lives and the satsang was kind of born out of the prior piece to the practice. So right before we would go into the postures and meditate and breathe, we would simply talk about what's going on with us. And it would be in a, a live form kind of way that we would just sit and talk, right? And in this talking, we would find that the people who are sitting around us and across from us and behind us that we never you know, met before are going through the exact same things that we're going through. And the things that they're going through are really these kind of very personal things that maybe we haven't talked with people about because we didn't have the audience or maybe, you know, we didn't have community around us. So we didn't have the support and just being able to be in a space where you're looking at 
a multitude of reflections around you, really digging and diving into these, these issues and challenges was incredibly healing for all of us. And so when everything shut down in March, I said, I'm not going to be teaching yoga online. That's, that's not part of the lineage I was taught and trained under, but continue the conversations because the conversations were as important, if not more important than the practice to our community. And so that's what's been happening with that. Yeah, those sad sayings are, they're dope. So <laughs> go, period. If you haven't gone to one, go. Because um, yes, I think that that's, yeah, that's, that's such a, a powerful part of, of that that aspect of healing of, of that kind of kindred lens and being able to like really see that in each other. Like there hasn't been one day really since I've started that I haven't been meditating, you know what I mean? And that's, okay. that's the, the push. And it's like, I can tell when I'm like, you know, I need just a moment just to go find space to breathe. And it sounds yeah. so like dramatic mm. and people <laughs> want to be like, Oh, you, right. you, black snowflake or whatever you want to call it right <laughs> but like at the right. end of the day it's like I know I'm better when I'm taking a moment to breathe if that's not what you're into and you want to stay here all stopped up or you you better without it that's up to you but I'm letting you know that on the other side of that decision right. is some growth and some yes. space and I think that that space is the thing and and even just simply listening to my body period like yeah. there's practical really pragmatic moves and then there's a lot more profound moves as well that I think really um have affected even how I do teaching or engage with my wife or yeah. myself right yeah. so thank you it's, yeah it's the irony of that statement too it's the irony of that statement it's like well your body thrives on breath your vitality your existence is connected to your breath when you stop breathing <laughs> you are no longer with us in this dimension so if we don't engage or 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 give nurturance to the practice that that sustains us then what are we really doing and it's also important for people to remember and this is something that's just coming to me now is that your lineage of being a human with a physical body is way longer than your lineage of being enslaved to the truth of how to take care of that body. And so I think sometimes people think about what the normal is and how it's been presented to them and they don't spend enough time investigating <laughs> how, where you've been and how you've been in the past and how your ancestors have been really is something that's being passed down. It doesn't mean that that's the only way it can be or the only way it's ever been. It really does connect to the concept that who you are and how you are is something for you to maintain for your good. And maybe you'll find new practices, maybe you'll find new ways of being, and you'll hand those down to somebody. And I think we're in the process of evolutionizing this, this idea right now. It's like, well, what do we really actually need? Is it as simple as breathing? Because people who don't breathe don't think it's that simple. They believe it's some big conundrum, you know, that I got to have this and do this and in order to be in a position where I can really breathe. And it's like, or you can pause what you're doing and go breathe and see what happens when you create space, because it is about spaciousness in my understanding, whether that space is in your body, whether it is energetic space where you're allowing um, the breath to flow through your meridians and th flow through and circulate throughout your body and nourish your 
you know, cells and tissues and organs, or whether you are creating mental space so that you're able to take on new things without being cluttered and conflicted of what was there before. So wherever the space exists, it really is about space. And I think a lot of times people think that that's just like a metaphor. I'm going to take some space. It's really like, no, fully utilize that concept and create it where you need it. And that's how change happens. That's where inspiration is sparked. And that's also where chaos ends. To hear more from Stacey Patrice, tune into the rest of our conversation next episode as we start the new year. Another way to connect with Stacy and support her work is by donating to gain access to the resource vault she launched in conjunction with the 6th Annual Soul Healing Solstice. Learn more at her website linked in the show notes, stacypatrice.com slash solstice2020. I'm Dietrich Hunter, and this was Curate Curiosity. Thanks for listening.